The Hoop Collective is presented by QuickBooks. New business? No problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday afternoon with two of my uh, guests, both in Oakland, California. Actually, I shouldn't say Oakland, the Bay Area. Still catching myself that the Warriors are no longer in Oakland. No excuse. First time joining us on the podcast. Uh, coming to us from the Chase Center, I believe, in San Francisco is Kendra Andrews. Hello, Kendra. Hi, thanks for having me. And coming to us, uh, I believe, from this house across the bay is from Manscaped. Want to make sure we hammer that new branding, Mark Spears. Hello. Bonjour. <laughs> Kendra Spears is just back from Senegal, where he was covering the Basketball Africa League. And we're going to talk to him about that a little bit. Spears, how's your jet lag situation? Man, it's actually not so bad because when I got home on Friday after 20 hours of travel, I like had had a meal, laid down, and was tried to watch NBA games, and NBA games watched me for the next twelve hours. <laughs> Ideal. So I, I think after that, I'm I'm been good, man. I've been surprisingly good, but I'm I'm a guy that sleeps five hours, so twelve hours was a lot and got me back. All right, good. Well, I figured I would have you guys on because uh, now Kendrick came to us from um uh comcast bay area which is the um the uh the, the network that uh, has the warriors games so she's very uh uh you know knows the warriors very well has covered them for several years before that you covered the nuggets am i right kendra mm-hmm. yep that's correct um but i feel like this is we're, we're getting into a very important time in the warrior season obviously tonight we won't know. This podcast will come out Tuesday morning. We won't know how Draymond Green looked tonight. He's he's coming back tonight against the Wizards. Um, but to me, Kendra, there's two of the most important things in the NBA, and then there's a, like a sub sort of a, a 2A. The two most important things in the NBA for the rest of the season are that I can at least predict and see at the moment. One, Draymond's health because his – um, impact on the Warriors is as important as any other player in the, on a title team. I'm not saying he's better than other players, but what he does for the Warriors changes them. That's not a controversial statement. And two, something we'll talk about later in this podcast, will Kyrie Irving be able to play in home games? The 2A factor um, for me is Brooke Lopez's health because the Bucks, uh, as a defensive team, are completely different when Brooke is able to be effective in playing. And he is returning uh, on Monday after missing three months following back surgery, which is something we're going to be watching and talking about. But back to what I wanted to talk about, Kendra, the Warriors have a lot going on right now. Mm-hmm. Number one, Draymond Green coming back. Number two, James Wiseman, who I know you watched with Spears yesterday against the G League Ignite playing for the Santa Cruz Warriors, which we'll talk about in a second. And Clay Thompson looking like he's sort of coming into his own. But let's start. With Draymond, you've obviously been covering the team the whole year. You've been listening what's going on. What do you think we should expect to see from Draymond coming off of this injury? Yeah, I mean, he obviously has a lot of conditioning to do, right? Draymond even said after shoot around today, look, I expect to be on about a 20 to 23 minute restriction for the first 10 to 14 days that he's back to get his conditioning back, his his legs back underneath him. He said to get his quick reaction time back. He said he wants to use these first two to three weeks that he's back to, to ramp up, to, to get that conditioning back. So that by the time there's about a week, a week and a half left of the regular season, he is where he was or as close to where he was uh, before, before his injuries, he can get as they head into this playoff, into the playoffs. Because as you said, Brian, like he, he is their key. You know, I asked Steve Kerr one night when they were on that five game losing streak, is Draymond the key to any success that you're, you guys are going to have? And he looked at me, he just said, yeah. So they need Draymond to be, uh, as, as close to where he was before, because he was having his best season in years before he, he was injured. So, you know, to answer your question, I think for tonight, day one, after two months, he's not going to be the, the savant that he was when he got injured, 
but the hope is that he will get very close to that uh, over the next several weeks. They have 14 games left in the regular season. So the hope is that over those 14 games, he'll, he'll get back because they need playoff Draymond, right? Like he takes his game to a whole new level in the postseason, And that's what they really, really need from him. Spears, I'm so worried about this injury because it's a nerve injury and it's a back nerve injury. It's just, it's hard to predict with that, man. I mean, you've been talking and updating us on this the whole way. You've been checking in with Draymond, but this is like so – I really do believe like the title could could be affected by how that, that nerve on that disc or whatever's going on in there holds up. Yeah, the, the Warriors were pretty sensational with their three-guard lineup on Saturday. Uh, a lot more uh, – intimidating than I expected them to be uh, against a great team, the champs and the bucks. But to your point, man, like for the most part, since Draymond's been out uh, previously since January 6th, and I say January 6th, because that's, I don't count the clay game, man. He just made a cameo, right? He, he doesn't either. Draymond yeah, said yeah. He doesn't count it either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, well, then um, what do you do it for? <laughs> it's yeah. so bizarre. Like, well, th- th- that him like playing 15 seconds in that game, and Chris Paul playing 15 seconds in the All-Star game. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't get it. But okay, go ahead. Have you yeah. do what you want to do. Sentimental value. It looks uh it's like Willis Reed played a lot more in that game now than he actually played, right? You're right. That's a fair point. It's <laughs> yeah. so all for the optics. But they've kind of went into a, a, a average spiral since Draymond's been out. They they've um won probably about 60% of their games. Definitely not as intimidating in Memphis has since passed them up in the standings. The Warriors had a great record. I want to say they were like 27 and 8 at the time that Draymond went around or went down. And so he he is certainly the heart and soul of their defense, the heart and soul of their team, somebody that makes them accountable. Uh, they've had some close losses where I think if Draymond plays in those games, there's some focus and there's some mistakes. No that doubt. Don't happen. The no Dallas doubt. loss to me, right? Uh, blowing that big lead, I don't think that happens with Draymond there. So, um, plus, so many of their guys went to the slumps. I mean, yeah, Jordan Poole is now coming out of the slump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he went back into the starting lineup um, uh, on Saturday that helped. He had he had his best game in I don't know weeks in my memory. Um, but you know, he was helpful for Steph and and Jordan Poole when he played. Yeah, so I, I just think that. Um, Man, if he – I think they're still formidable with or without him. They're a championship team with him. Kendra, let me just say that I really applaud Wiseman for going to the G League and actually playing in the games. I don't understand why this is so taboo for players coming back from injury to actually play games in the G League. They go there and practice. Uh, why wouldn't you use this resource of going there and playing the games, an opportunity to get real basketball against high-level competition that has no stakes uh, for the big team? Major League Baseball players who make $25 million a year go down to double-A ball and pitch two innings or get three at-bats or whatever when they're coming back from big injuries. Why would an NBA player deem it below him to go down and play in the G League and I know that Wiseman's doing it because he's a young guy and it's not deemed as, I don't understand why, like why Clay Thompson wouldn't go right. play. I, I just don't get it. Anyway, that's my little high horse there. I apologize. <laughs> what did you see from Wiseman on Sunday? They played against the G league Ignite in that mm-hmm. game. So the younger guys, although he was playing against some older guys in that game uh, as well. Um, but uh, what did you see from Wiseman um, in seeing him in person for the first well, time? For, well, first say, I think, didn't Steph Curry play? He played in a G League game when he was coming back from his hand injury about like two two years ago, I think. And I applauded it. Yeah. <laughs> and I applaud the Warriors for doing it. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. No, I mean, look, when, when, when he played on, on Sunday against the G League Ignite, first off, you mentioning his size, he is just a massive person like his upper body he has put on so much muscle over the past 10 years months since he's been out it's it's pretty insane honestly for what I saw it's like look he looks like a young guy who played three college games and and nearly 40 NBA games he made some mistakes but he also had some good minutes and he showed the the unique skill set that the Warriors want him to add to this team right he 
I can't remember. I think he grabbed like 12 or so rebounds. Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he grabbed a ton of rebounds, right? He was crashing the boards all over the place. He had some good dunks. He had those moments that you say, aha, yeah, like that is what the Warriors are looking for with him. And then he had moments where he's making a lot of mistakes. But during that game, I talked to Dayan Milotrovic, who's the guy who's been working closest with James over the past 10 months. And, and he kind of said the same sentiment. He's going to make mistakes. We see a lot of mistakes, but they want him to make those mistakes now, point it out, and then adjust from there. Now, when James is ready to come back to the Golden State Warriors, is he going to be in the rotation? As you said, Brian, yeah, like Nemanja Bielitsa, Otto Porter, they've kind of been falling out of the rotation. They haven't been playing as well when they are in it. Does that mean that, that James is just going to be right there as Kevon Looney's number two? No, he needs to prove himself, especially as they get into the tail end of this regular season and make that playoff push. They don't necessarily trust this 20-year-old who's barely played in the NBA. That being said, they're going to find him specific opportunities to to get those reps, to play in those games. Um, So you can see the foundation, and there's a long way for him to go until the Warriors are ready to hand over the reins to him and say, just go out there and do what you do. Spears, what can they can they honestly count on this guy? You think? Oh, I I definitely believe so. I mean, he's uh, if if you if I didn't know any better from what I saw on Sunday, I would have never thought he was hurt. Mm. There was nothing that gave me an indication that he had been hurt before. He ran the floor really, really well. He's an amazing athlete. He he ran the floor like a guard. Yeah. Um, I still think there's a little rust there. But as Kendra mentioned, he rebounded well. He dunked hard. And you, he, you could tell he, he's ready to get his opportunity. At the end of the second quarter, I believe he got a putback. Buzzer sounded. And he screamed. And, and Brian, you got a uh, – I don't know if you watched any of it. It was a weird G League event because it was at Chase Center. And there was about 12,000 people there. Wow. It was out, full. Man. It was full. Yeah. They, they came out for it. And so he got this like really thunderous play and screamed. Like it was almost as if he was like letting loose all the frustration uh, since, uh, you know, going to Memphis and asked the crowd to give him more cheers. And I'm like, okay, he's ready. He's back. And so, you know, he, he said after the game that it's going to be day to day, like, and I, I get it. He's not in the back-to-back. He's not going to play against Milwaukee. I mean, uh, to, on Monday night against Washington. But I don't think the Warriors need to waste any more time. Like I, I, on Wednesday, when the Warriors um, play the Celtics, put him on the roster. You know, yeah. uh, they need his size desperately. Mm-hmm. Yes. He could only do so much. Bealicia is a shooter. He's not a big guy. He is to me like obviously Draymond is a huge missing piece, but he is the thing that's missing on their roster. There's Agreed. nobody that's over six nine in the post, right? I'm, I'm not counting Bealicia. There's there's nobody that can block shots like him. There's nobody that could score in the post like him. Like, does he start? No, you you don't do that. You you don't start him. But I think he makes an immediate major impact on this team. And the sooner the better to get him in because, hey, they, they're going to use him against Joker. They're going to use him against Aiton. There are bigs in the West. Uh, you know, what if the Warriors face Minnesota, right? Like, they're going to need yeah. him against a lot of the great bigs in the West. And he is, to me, the only weakness that this team has. And so... Look, he he did the G League games. He's going to make some mistakes, but I think he's going to do some great things. And and actually, kudos to the Warriors, man, for getting him, for getting Kaminga, for getting Poole, for getting Moody. They have what I believe is the torch to the next generation, and they've done it in a way that is similar to Brian, for what we've seen for years with the Spurs how they went from David Robinson to Duncan to Manu and Tony to, to Kawhi. And obviously it, that ended, but that's a, there was a nice, what, 20-year stretch there where the Spurs were doing some great things because of, of their drafting. 
Yeah. And the thing about Wiseman is that for all of his length, and I don't know what his wingspan is off the top of my head, but he, he I'll bet he's, I'll bet it's like seven, five. He's got, he's going to have one of the top five, six wingspans in the NBA. So his ability to challenge shots once he learns to do that is significant. And that is a big thing that can show up in, in uh, key moments in playoff games. Secondly, I, when I watched him play last year, and I have not seen him, I did not see any of the G League games. You guys are ahead of me on that. When I watched him play last year, it impressed me how good his hands were and how good his footwork was. In other words, not the technical aspect of his footwork, but his skill level with his feet as he could move. This is not something that you normally see from men of that size, which is why when everybody was going on and on about LaMelo, I mean, I get it. I understand if re- in retrospect, they probably do take LaMelo. I'm not arguing that. But there was a reason why teams went and watched this guy work out and their jaws dropped and were like, we got to have this guy. And why there was, you know, machinations about moving the pick around and stuff like that. That was during the, the COVID draft where there was these rules about how many times teams could watch guys work out. Well, there were teams like doing sneaking in to see Wiseman, um, you know, doing unofficial workouts so that it wouldn't count as a workout because he just wanted to see him because he was so much of a mystery and teams were walking away from those workouts going, Oh my God. So I understand why the, the, the warriors took him, whether it was the right call or not. And I don't think you've even, the, the, the league hasn't seen it. The warriors, Kendra, when I read and, and when I read what they say and I hear some of the stuff that they say, they've obviously seen some stuff in practice that mm-hmm. gets them very excited. You know, it's obviously a real, you know, unfortunate situation that A, they seem to play better without him on the court last year, certainly Curry, and B, that he got hurt. So we had this sort of, you know, mark on him. But I feel like this could be a significant changer combined with Draymond and we'll see Kendra I don't know how it'll play out I mean and it's hard to tell because as you said we've barely seen him you know I think one of the issues with last year is that they just didn't take the right approach with James I think the Warriors saw that they had a ceiling on that season so there was no shame in in just letting him go out there and, and pretty much just do whatever you know and not be too concerned yeah you're making a lot of mistakes but we're we're not gonna get to a certain benchmark of that season, you know, versus this year, I think it's tricky because, or maybe not tricky, but the Warriors have certain expectations for themselves, right? They want to win a championship. They believe that they can. I agree with what Spears is saying about, yeah, you know, he has a skill set that no one else has on this roster. He is definitely a missing piece. From what I have been told from people though, is that they aren't ready to just say, go out there and, and, be that and that crazy immediate impact. I think the way they really liked how they've approached Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody's development. And I expect them to mirror that development with James and bringing him along. Now his skill set is more unique than JK's and Moses's. So you are probably going to see more opportunities, but at the same time, if he's following Jokic a bunch, if he's following Giannis a bunch, if he's doing those things that are going to cost them down the stretch, unlike last season where they let him play through that, I don't believe that that's going to be the case this season. Um, But, you know, Time, time will tell because as you said we, we haven't seen it yet we don't know what what he's going to look like out there with Steph with Draymond um, but it is very encouraging for them that all of their pieces are finally coming together where they're going to have a healthy roster and at least have the option to to put him out there to give Kevon Looney a break and things like that Jackson looked it up for us uh, seven foot six wingspan so big um, <laughs> it's very big so Spears um, we obviously saw Clay have a 38 point game on Saturday, huge moment for him. I mean, you could just, um, the thing about clay is he's so genuine. So like just seeing the the smile on his face was great. The the reality is he's been in a slump. He shot the ball. He's not shot the ball. Well, after the all-star break, I don't know if this is a breakout game or not. We'll see. Of course they have a game tonight. I'm always leaving myself open to these sorts of situations. He may have 46 tonight (laughs) and this pod comes out tomorrow. Um, are you, 
where are you at on clay? Because again, this is if clay plays like that regularly. This is championship clay. You know, what do you think we're going to get uh, from him based on what you've seen recently? What did uh, Forrest Gump say? It's like a box of chocolates, man. You yeah. just don't know what you're going to get. And I think when you, we forget that not only he had a Achilles injury, but he has the knee injury. It's a lot, man. No and doubt. And so I, I think it's going to be hit and miss. I, I think the three guard lineup helps him, takes pressure off of him. You know, the Warriors can rotate the ball and perhaps give him, give him some easier looks than he was getting before. I, I still feel like respectfully, because I have a lot of respect for Clay and what he's doing, that I think he's forcing it a little bit. Kendra can tell yeah. me if she thinks I'm wrong, that he's kind of taking some bad shots, some kind of home run shots that I, I don't think were typical of some of the shots that he took pre-injury. Mm-hmm. And he probably needs to calm down on that a little bit. But the one thing the playoffs will help him once that comes around is the rust will be gone. I think it's pretty much gone now. And there's no back-to-backs, so you, you don't have to worry about him losing rhythm, rhythm from missing games. Um, he'll, he'll play in every game, assuming he's healthy. Right. And uh, so I think that you'll see a better clay. And here's the thing. We haven't seen him play with Draymond, right? So right. Draymond gives Steph – I think that's another reason why Steph is taking a dip is because Draymond gives him great looks. Draymond catches him diving to the basket for layups. And Draymond's going to make it easier for Clay. So, assuming Draymond's healthy, and that's a big assumption, I think Steph, Clay, the rest of the offense is going to take a jump because he is kind of like this great traffic cop with the basketball that just spreads out the offense and makes it easier for everybody else. One one person in the Warriors told me he, they said that Draymond's the control center, right, for everything they do. Because of course he gets a lot of credit for defense, but as Spears is saying on offense, I mean I think he's assisted Steph on more of his baskets than anyone else uh, on the Warriors. So it's 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 huge, and it's also Spears. Like you're not far off at all to say that that Clay has has been forcing it. It's something that Steve has been saying. Clay even admitted it the other night. I asked him, "Have you been forcing your shots?" And he said, "Yeah, kind of," um, but. You know, I think especially against the Bucks, we saw early on he wasn't forcing it, right? He was just letting it letting it come naturally. And as he does that, as he hits those easy shots, then the tough ones, whether it's a defender, two centimeters from his face becomes so much easier for him. Uh, so I think that Bucks game, we finally saw him just sit back and let everything come naturally to him. And then he goes off as he does so, so many times. Well, two games on the Warriors schedule that I am circling uh, because assuming we get Draymond back for some games and Wiseman gets worked in over the next week, um, I believe it's a week from this Wednesday, the Warriors go on the uh, on an East Coast trip. And um, it's going to be a fun trip, uh, uh, Kendra, for you. Um, they play next Wednesday, the second night of a back-to-back, so we'll see what they do with Clay. Uh, they play in Miami against the Heat. That's obviously a possible finals uh, matchup, but that'll be a week and a half into Draymond, um, some time into Wiseman. That's a big game. And then to close that road trip, um, again, the second night of a back-to-back, unfortunately. So I don't know who's going to play in it, but Warriors at Grizzlies. This is a potentially very important game. What's the is the season series one one, Kendra? Have they played them twice already? They definitely played twice. I think they no, only I played. I almost three want times. to say they played three times, right? Is it? Oh. Let's, let's look it up. I know that they lost the last time. Yeah. Um, it it they is lost, it's yeah. it's going to be a huge huge game. You know, I this I've been saying that that playoff possible playoff matchup sometime of the Grizzlies and the Warriors is one that the Warriors want to push back as far into the playoffs as possible I don't like that matchup for them I'm very curious to see because Brian as you mentioned it is back-to-back game I'm interested to see if the Warriors tactfully rest Clay 
on the front end of the back-to-back so that they can see what they look like with him, with Steph, with Draymond, possibly James, Jordan, like with as full healthy of a roster as they can get uh, because it's something that we haven't seen yet. They haven't been able to play it yet. So I wonder if strategically they'll end up resting Clay on the front end of those games because it's, uh, it's, those are two very big games that, as you said, are going to, well, it's just a tiebreaker. And that too. It's it's a potential tiebreaker. I got to look and see. Um, I got to double check. I thought it was one, one, but maybe they played three times. Grizzlies are two and one. Okay. So the, the, the Warriors to have a chance to win the tiebreaker and look, they're right now, they're essentially a dead heat in the standings. Um, and Spears, I mean, like home court in that series could be really important. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, it's hard for me to know exactly how the Grizzlies are going to handle it. And I don't want to like, I mean, obviously the Warriors are so much more experienced that like, I don't want to say like, oh my gosh, they couldn't win if they didn't have home court. But, you know, let's not act like it doesn't matter, Spears. I think it matters more for Memphis having home sure. court in that series yeah. and than Golden State was. I mean, I've seen the Warriors win in Oklahoma City. Right? <laughs> like, I, I've I seen know. them win some I games know. in Cleveland. Like, I, I don't think they're phased by uh, – the arena that they play in or whatever it is. But I know that Memphis is certainly energized by hearing whoop that trick playing in the background and their crazy crowd, <laughs> and, you know, coming in from Bill street already like a little tipsy. Right. <laughs> so I think that environment helps. Although the one thing, Hey, we Kendra was there. We don't forget it. I mean, Hey, Memphis knocked the Warriors out in chase. Yes, they did. And so they are confident here. They're not scared of playing here. This ain't Oracle. I was thinking the other day, Brian, like, I don't know if you've been to a game here. I have. It's gotten loud, but I'm like, Kendra, correct me if I'm wrong, please. I mean, Um, no, you're not. I wonder, like, maybe it's. But I don't hear hear the Warriors chant, the long Warriors chant no more. Kendra is from Oakland. So I I went to many games at Oracle. I was a. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Let me stop you, Kendra. Okay. Brian, this woman and her sister's parents (laughs) had season tickets. So she probably might have been there when Baron Davis dunked as a child. I have many. I have many. Some other time I'll rank my, my, I'll rank my Oracle moments. Uh, but no, I mean, you're right. I don't know if it's the way that the building is constructed or if it is just not as loud, but no, I mean, the chance, the, the rally cries don't carry the same oomph. They don't, they don't shake the building as they did over in Oakland. Um, they're too but, busy worrying about being but, in the bunker suite having. Listen, um, they knew what I, they were doing. I'm they, leaving myself on that one. <laughs> they knew that they were. The word "selling out" isn't the right word, but they knew they were trading the atmosphere for the money. Nobody would. Nobody uh, uh, who was honestly speaking would say any different. Now I'm sure they can go on and on about their designs or whatever, and all that stuff. They knew what they were doing. We knew before the Chase Center broke ground that they could have the greatest design in the history of arenas and it was not going to be the same. We knew that. Right. But nonetheless, the Grizzlies have won. They've won in Phoenix. They've won in Oakland or San Francisco. I keep in my head, keep I'm not there yet. Um, you know, I don't think they're afraid to play anywhere, but I was just going to say, I've seen this with young teams. It's Different not level. so much games. It's not so much game seven. It's game. It's that you get game one and two at home, when you're a young team playing in, a, in an environment that you haven't played in before under the lights like that, where it's just different. Second round series with with a lot of skin in the game. This potentially could be. It makes a big difference to be able to start at home to have that crutch. I hear people say, "Well, it's no big." De-. I've heard this for years. I've heard, "Well, you know, I'd rather start on the road because then there's no expectations and." You let them win and you can go back home. I just don't believe that. I believe starting at home is almost as important as being able to finish at home because it, it gets you an opportunity to, 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 uh, to, to be comfortable. And especially when you're inexperienced. And I, I, I think, go ahead. Kim. I was going to say, I think the experience part on this topic is really interesting when you're talking about, if you're talking warriors versus Grizzlies, because 
like warriors overall are far more experienced than the Grizzlies are right. Like the Grizzlies made it into the first round last season, but it's been a really long time and it hasn't been with this group led by jaw. Right. But for the warriors also, yeah, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andre, they have all been there before, but overall, this is still a far less experienced group who hasn't made it to the finals five years in a row. So you know, if this was the same team from yeah. the 2018-19 right. season, maybe I would say, no, it doesn't those, really matter. All, all those guys that Spears was just crediting for their being good young guys, those guys haven't done it before. So, so. in terms of experience, maybe the Warriors would want, they say it doesn't matter because they have played, uh, not the they haven't been the higher ranked seed in the playoffs before, but they weren't counting on 19, 20, 23-year-olds as much as they are this year. Yeah, I, okay. I do think too that um, it's it's different. Uh, John Lucas had a great saying, Brian. He's like, man, Hoss, it's, it's a little different when the lights come on. He's right. And what I mean by that in this case is the lights are coming on to a different level for Memphis. That mm-hmm. you know, this is this is kind of one of those things. I think you have growing pains where reality really hits you because they're this brash team that's been talking all this jazz and you know, disrespected LeBron, (laughs) like uh, playing kind of this underdog, like, you know, uh, pesky Scooby-Doo kids kind of role, you know what I mean? Scooby-Doo. And I just think that (laughs) reality is going to hit them when you're in a real playoff series and you do, you know, like they they don't know no better. Right. I know. This will be the first time you've seen it, Spears. I've seen it. You've seen it. Yeah. Uh, I just they I haven't had expectations. I know. That's where I, know. I wonder how they'll handle it. Like when suddenly the stakes are high, and you're just not like they're, they're not in just invited to the party now. They're why trying to crash ga- the party and it's why really you like want do game one and two at home, man. Because even if you stub your toe in game game one, then you know you have game two at home. Yeah. I'm telling you, starting at home is big. Okay, Kendra, thank you so much for coming yeah, on for your thank time. You. Um, hang, you. hang in there. We'll see you down the <laughs> yeah. line. Uh, I'll talk to speakers, you guys soon. Speakers, hang on, hang on with me. Three times a week, the right time with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, they've got a community of friends, including Dominic Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's the right time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And Monday and Wednesday are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it, life is busy. Between work and family and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut, but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times, so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be. and Don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding, or you just need some upkeep, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on supercuts.com. All right. Well, thanks to Kendra. Spears, I got to talk to you about, about the Nets and Kyrie because there's something going on right now. And what's going on, and I'm not saying it's organized, but like there is an attempt to 
And I, I'm just going to say right off the bat, I think this is going to backfire. I could be wrong. I can't see the future. I don't know what's going to happen. But there is an attempt being made to publicly pressure New York and the new mayor of New York into letting Kyrie Irving play. And I'm not even going to discuss the baseline issue here, which is get vaccinated or not. That has been sitting there for six months. Kyrie made his choice. However you feel, Kyrie's made his choice. They are trying to pressure him. They are, Kyrie comes into the game. uh, He's allowed to attend the game on Sunday. Does he come at the start of the game? No. Kyrie comes in during the second quarter to maximize the exposure. He com- Does he come in on the tunnel that's nearest to his seat? No. He comes in on the far tunnel so that in the middle of the game, so that he can have a nice long walk for everybody to watch. We've got other players calling it out. LeBron is tweeting about it. Durant is talking about it. All trying to put this pressure on the the, the mayor. They're um, Spears. I don't think this is going to work. I yeah. think they are much better off being quiet and letting the process play out. And it is, it, you know, it, you know, to me, the idea that the Nets can do this without having Kyrie playing in home games, and I say do this, I mean win the East, is lunacy. Sunday, they play the New York Knicks. I know the Knicks have been playing a little bit better recently, but they are hardly a juggernaut. They, they, the Nets won by three points in a game where Durant scored 53. Okay. Because they had to play at home without Kyrie. They're not going to be playing the Knicks in rounds one, two, and three of the playoffs, no. assuming they get through a play in. And I know you're going to say, well, what if not you necessarily, but you could say, well, what about Ben Simmons? How can I count on Ben Simmons to do anything? He's not even close to playing yet. Spears, I think this, I think this is a tactical, yet another tactical mistake uh, that's coming out of the Nets here. Well, here, here's one thing you didn't mention. New York mayor cares probably about the Knicks, not the Nets, right? <laughs> I think he's actually, I think he's actually from Brooklyn. Oh yeah. But, but you know, you know what? I'll tell you what the New York mayor cares about. He cares about not being shown up his first yeah. six months on the job. No question. Like he, he has to set a president um, for what to expect. So I, I think you're right. Probably staying quiet serves them better than to, you know, taunt the mayor or try to twist the mayor's arm. Because if he does do it for Kyrie purposes, then there's going to be a, a, a legion of people that are going to call him out on that. And say, okay, what you know, what's your what's your real method? What are you about? So you're gonna get swayed by somebody because they're an athlete. You're getting swayed because you're from Brooklyn. Um, that, that's yeah. I I think he's in a really really tough position politically because um, this is certainly much bigger than basketball. But my point is too. It, I think if Kyrie was in a Knicks uniform, there'd be so, a, a lot more pressure um locally like so, I, that's a good point spears see just because durant and lebron and other people are saying that this is a ridiculous rule and you know it may be ridiculous doesn't mean that the city of new york who's that's who eric adams has got to worry about it yeah. doesn't mean the city of new york feels that way yeah you know and i know the clippers are extremely popular outside of los angeles and internationally right in L.A., you could turn on the radio. They may not talk about the Clippers for the, the, the whole day. You're right. Um, in New York, I was just out in New York, man. They care about the Knicks. Right. They love the Knicks. I mean, I'm not saying there's not Nets fans. There's certainly Nets fans. But if if Kyrie was in a Knicks uniform right now, the pressure on the mayor to get him right, uh, to, to give him a pass, would, would be a lot greater. Without I, I don't, I don't know that. Yeah, I mean LeBron's tweeting and they're saying this or that. The the pressure is not the same, and 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 so I don't know that the Nets pressure is enough to to get a revolution started. <laughs> I just I don't 
I don't know that it will matter. And yeah, probably yelling and screaming about it will probably, to me, make it yeah. tougher than it would help. And yeah. I think it was, it was Nick Friedel. Other people said it as well, but you know, Nick Friedel, uh, who covers the Nets for us, when they showed Kyrie on the scoreboard when he came into the game on Sunday, um, you know, he said there was lukewarm applause. Like it was like, okay, hey, Kyrie. It was it was hardly like you know Thunderdome response. Yeah. Even though the guy is you know one of the most brilliant players in the NBA, and I can't remember who it was, and I'll embarrass myself. Shortly thereafter, there was sort of like a B-level actor who was shown in the stands and he got a louder applause. And I saw somebody said that's because all the fans there were Knicks fans. So they're not going to cheer Kyrie. And that's yeah. like that's a that's smack talk. But you know what? It's not wrong. <laughs> it's yeah. not wrong. It's mostly a Knicks crowd when the Knicks are playing in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. And, you know, as I as I continue to watch the Nets, you know, as upwardly mobile as they are with the possibility that, you know, and Woj keeps talking about how there's optimism within the nets that this is going to get done. And, you know, Woj doesn't, you know, BS. He is not saying that just because he's taken a guess. He is saying that because he has talked to people who believe that to be true. And so I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible. I'm just going to say, I don't know where that optimism is coming from. It's not coming from something that I can see. Yeah. Uh, because the mayor just said on Sunday, Kyrie wants to play on Monday. He has to get vaccinated. Well, and then the owner of the Nets could just pay the fine, right? Isn't it like $15,000? So that's the one thing. So by the way, it shouldn't be the, you know, it shouldn't be the owner of the Nets paying that fine. It would be, should be Kyrie who pays the fine. Yeah. And by the way. Well, for them, that's like, that's like you taking 20 bucks out your pocket. I understand. Let me just say, first off, the owner of the Nets just got fined $500,000 for breaking WNBA rules. That's number one. Number two, Kyrie, it's costing him like three or $400,000 a game right now to not play at home. He's not getting checks for those games. And so if he had to pay 15000 instead of 300000 financially, it's a much better deal for him to pay the fine. But regardless of who's paying it, The NBA has said, the NBA made two big decisions on this months ago. One, they decided that Kyrie was not going to get paid. Uh, He was not going to get game checks if he didn't follow the mandate. So even though it was unfair with no mandates in other cities, and even though unvaccinated players could, could pay there, the NBA wanted to be on the correct side of the law. And so they said they would follow the local government rules and therefore Kyrie would 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 not get paid that was a very big moment that was them drawing a line saying we're going to be on this side of it over here and the second thing is that they have said that they will yield to the local govern government when they do this uh you know they want all their teams to yield to local government law they're doing that for a reason They're doing that so that they don't have to make the decision on what the rules are in San Francisco or Los Angeles or Memphis or New York. They want the local governments to decide. So when the local governments decide what the rule is in Toronto, that's the way the rule is going to be. So if the NBA allows Kyrie Irving to play and just take the fine, that is them going back on that support of the local government rules, which means if there's a local government rule someplace else in the country, that it means that that team would just say, well, hell, the, the Nets didn't have to follow it. We won't follow it, well, no matter what it is. And so I just don't think they can cross that line. So what I'm saying is maybe the Nets have some sort of negotiation going on. Maybe there's some assurance that's been made. Maybe it's like, hey, listen, we got to pick up the good fight right now. But when it comes time for the playoffs, wink, wink, everything's going to be okay. And maybe that's will be the case. But as I'm sitting here looking at the lay of the land and looking at all the pieces on the chessboard and listening to what the mayor said, the mayor continues to reinforce his position. Every time he reinforces his position, it makes it to me very unlikely he's going to go back on it. So maybe there's some, you know, there's some legislative trick that is coming that I don't know or can't see. I don't see how this is going to materially change in three or four weeks, Spears. Well, and here's the trickle-down part of it. I'm looking at the standings right now, right? Brooklyn's an eight. They're two and a half games behind the seventh spot with Toronto, 
no Ben. Not sure when Ben's coming. Kyrie's here and he's not there. So <laughs> if you're Miami, you're the number one spot, right? If you're if you're Philly in the second spot, you're Milwaukee in the third spot. That is a weird place to be in. Oh man. Knowing that, you know, you could get Kyrie and Ben at full, you know, availability by the time the playoffs right. part stop. Right. So I, I I talked to one player who I, you know, leaves nameless. I'm gonna leave nameless, but he's like, man, I'm not gonna lie, we're we're kind of scoreboard chase, chasing them. I mean, watching, you know, right? Watching to see what they do, where they could go, and you know, but you 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 can't really do that because we've seen it backfire and hurt teams too. Um, but it, it will be amazing to see if the Nets, like, I, I, I would assume this, even if they're in a play-in, right, because they're now three and a half games, Brian, they're not going to catch Cleveland, right? Can we assume that? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland is struggling, but they're starting, Cleveland starts, I think, a five or six game homestand uh, yeah. tonight uh, against the Clippers, and, you know, but yeah, so Cleveland has a, a four-game lead in the loss column, and you know Brooklyn. And it's not exactly like the Nets are like killing it every game right now, too, right? I think they're playing a little. Well, I better. think Kyrie is only allowed to play in three more games. I think there's only four road games left, and one of them's at New York. Yeah. So, so let's just assume yeah. Cleveland sticks at six, right? Yeah. So Brooklyn goes and plays Toronto in a playing game. Yeah. What? Do you hear what I just said? Yeah, yeah. I mean, then they would. So that get a means chance Kyrie to... doesn't. No matter what he. That's does, right. That's no right. No matter what his New York status is, he can't play in Toronto. That's right. So that's so right. The so game, it's going to be Durant well, yeah. and, and, the, and the miracles against the Raptors. Well, if you're the if you're a Nets fan, you're rooting like hell for Toronto to move up. And Toronto's only a, Toronto had a great weekend. They yeah. won in Phoenix and then in Denver. Denver had like won 12 of 15. <clears throat> they win. That was an unexpected thing. And the Cavs lost two games over the weekend. It went from a three-game lead to a one-game lead to start the week. So if you're a Nets fan, you're rooting like heck for Toronto to pass Cleveland so that you know that at least, regardless of happens with Kyrie, at least you can Kyrie can play in Cleveland. That's yeah. number one. You're, you're rooting for Toronto to get the heck out of 7-8. Yeah. Um, seven eight uh, situation or the seven situation at least um and yeah and if you're a team like you know if you're a team like you know man you know so they're very unlikely to get to six so if yeah. you're a team like milwaukee or philly as you said those two teams are essentially tied right now for two philly's ahead by a half game but they're essentially tied and chicago's um, right there chicago's that's right, right half game back so, the, like, think of the difference between playing Cleveland in the first round and playing Brooklyn in the first round. <laughs> I mean, it's a gigantic difference, yeah. uh, especially if Kyrie is able to play in all the games, just, you know, whatever maneuver might happen. It's, you know, I very mean. Very unique, very odd, right? Yeah. And if very, you're. Very odd, like, but you and, can't. And you by can't the way, predict it because you can't predict it, Brian, because it's the, the playing stuff. You don't well, know what's going to happen in the playing. So, and here's the other thing: Brooklyn's only as, as we start the week here. Brooklyn's only a game ahead of Atlanta for nine. Yeah. So if Brooklyn falls back into nine or ten, now that brings Miami in. Now Miami is like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> we might get Kyrie in the first round, and it takes Toronto out of the mix, at least for the first game. Yeah, and at least you would know that you would play. You have to win two games if you're in ninth or tenth for sure. You know it's yeah. it's harder to get in, but both of those games would be on the road. So then let, let, let's just say you know Brooklyn goes to Toronto, Toronto pulls it out right, and then they're gonna play like Atlanta or Charlotte in a one game series. Trey in a one game series. I mean, I mean, Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, but like that's some that's some rolling the dice there, man. That's some. I mean, that's the thing. Like with Kyrie, in the last fifteen days, they've won in Milwaukee and in Philly. Yeah. Without Without Kyrie, 
they're barely beating the Knicks at home. They need 53 from Durant to beat the Knicks at home. Yeah. It's it's not an instinct, it's not just an exercise in conversation. It's a real thing. Um where they end up, man, I, I wish I could peek into the future. This is why this is why early or they could be champs. Like I, I've right. never seen a team like this, right? With the this Knicks, is, maybe in the late nineties, was it? When they beat Miami? Yeah. Allen Houston. Yeah. When this is why the concept that the Nets are still the number one uh, favorite to win the East is insane to me. And I know that you could say, well, it's assuming Kyrie does get to play in all the games with, you know, Kyrie, Durant, Ben. First off, I don't know that to be true. Second off, why would I get the worst odds betting on that situation? Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's, you know, like you can give me five reasons why the Heat won't win the Eastern Conference this year. You can make you could make a real good case for why they, they won't win. But you can't make a good case to me why they have the fourth best odds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's you know, that that I don't understand. But and then um, ultimately, even if you get in, right? You're the Nets and you get in, your road to the finals is like that roller coaster that needs fixing you know <laughs> you know the one where the uh they bring to the county fair brian brian i don't you know those roller the wooden that, the wooden one that uh you know they <laughs> take the part and put back together five yeah times. the ones they bring to Bouncy. the fairs in south dakota or something like that and then they stay there for a week and then they head <laughs> off to like wyoming and, and it's just some guy that Got a lot of grease on his hands, and he has a cigarette <laughs> in his mouth, man. And you're like, man, do I, do I trust this guy to go on this roller coaster? Like, that's the roller coaster that they're forced to get on. There's no break. That you know, however long they last, they gotta, they gotta like face like you got Mike Tyson first round, Riddick <laughs> Bowe's waiting for you in the second, second round. Wait, Lennox Lewis is waiting for you in the third round. <laughs> like, Muhammad Ali's next, like you know what I mean. I know, like, man. I, I've been telling my my people. Marciano's waiting to like. There's no easy thanks, you know. <laughs> I know. I, I've been telling my people in Cleveland. I'm like, look, some of those years that LeBron took the Cavs to the to the finals with, with uh, you know, in the mid 2010s, you know, like they didn't have to win one series in the East as hard as as uh, like you know they'd go they'd go to the finals and not have to you know they would. They, they would nobody. barely sweat in the in the in the uh, yeah. in the Eastern playoffs. It's the last year without Kyrie, they had to they had two seven game series, but they would like barely sweat. Winning even one series in the East this year will be harder than winning the East was potentially five six years ago. Um, and you now you're talking about adding potentially two other victories to get in. Man, it's it's rough. Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good, really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it. So cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless. Now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan. That's unlimited high-speed data and 5 gigabytes of hotspot for just $45 a month. Get nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. So why pay a whole lot for your data when you can get unlimited for a whole lot less? The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract. No compromise. At 60 gigabytes, we reserve the right to review your account for usage in violation of Straight Talk's terms and conditions. A month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Before we go, I just wanted to ask you how your trip to Senegal was for the Basketball um, Africa League. Oh, man. I'm still like, one thing I'll say this before I get into the basketball part, anybody, and I know Brian, you've been, 
you're like the one reporter I, I like knows would like to go check it out. And, I would like um, to go. Yeah. I've been to that. Africa twice. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, like it, people, I think a lot of people don't realize that the car Senegal is a five, seven hour flight from New York. It's not far. Nope. Right. Like you, for people on the East coast going to Hawaii, you're doing a lot more to go to Hawaii. than You're you right about that. To go to some beach resort in Sally, Senegal. But um, I, I think the thing was, it's beautiful, man. Brian, I was almost brought to tears before the first game, listening to the drums, listening to the, seeing the dancing, knowing and Amadou Fall, who's the president, we were teammates um, at the University of District of Columbia, like how hard he's worked to bring fans to their games. They're like three years in now, one year suspended because the first year because of COVID, but this is the first time they've had fans. So, but then it's a challenge because they're essentially still in a bubble. So they're playing all the games in one city. They're playing all the the first uh, group is is playing in um, in Senegal and Dakar, Senegal. So the Senegalese games are packed, but the other games right. aren't packed. You know, right? And then the next group is in Egypt, and and so there's a challenge there that they won't be able to get over until the world gets healthier, which who knows when that will be. Um, but I think their hope is to try to figure out a way to get fans from the other countries to come see their teams, which is it, it's just difficult. Like we forget how big Africa is. It's a continent, <laughs> like it's, it's mammoth. So they have some challenges, but if you watch the games, which I'm kudos to the NBA for having them on NBA TV and ESPN plus, like they're, they're fun to watch. Uh, they're competitive. The talent looks better. There's a lot more athleticism. And there's some good stories like Robert Pack, former NBA assistant, longtime assistant, former player, been an NBA assistant for 11 years, couldn't get a head coaching job. So he got his first opportunity with Rwanda, and he's coached them to a 3-1 and record and basically uh, uh, clinched a spot in the playoffs uh, in Rwanda, which will be amazing for his team. And um, hearing he's getting some national team interest from – other other countries out and on the continent and then there's a woman by the name of liz mills who's coaching uh the moroccan yeah. team as asali and she's making history she's essentially the only female head coach in the nba umbrella not including the WNBA right now and so there's some history being make made there some opportunities that are being made there yeah i mean it certainly probably would help if there were some recognizable NBA players. But, like, I think people got to realize, like, these are teams that qualified from their leagues in Africa to, like, play in essentially what is a tournament. So how are you just going to, like, force Jamal Crawford on the team or, you know what I mean, something like that? It kind of dilutes what the leagues were. What yeah, they did. I mean, what, well, it, the league is designed to recruit, to find – you know, enrich and recruit players eventually to get to the NBA. I mean, in addition to bringing it to Africa, like Joel Embiid, like didn't play basketball much as a kid. Yeah. Pascal Siakam didn't play much basketball as a kid. There are more, I don't know about Embiid's. That's, that's a super special talent, but there are more Pascal Siakam's yeah. walking around out there that just need to be introduced to basketball. Yeah. And, and Brian, I went to Seed Academy and I face Dakar, I mean, face uh, Senegal. I'm probably saying it wrong. And the facilities, man, like they're doing okay, but we got that that group uh, has the best young talent in Senegal and their facilities are probably not as good as your local high school. Yeah. The bathrooms aren't as good. They're yeah. like, they. Yeah. So they need money, they need funding, whether it's seeds, uh, whether it's uh, Giants of Africa at Maasai runs, like there's a lot of grassroots things are, that are going on. But once they get more coach, co uh, courts, um, I saw guys playing outside, Brian, I was excited. I saw some outdoor basketball out there. That's um, a, hey man. But they need coaching too. That's another thing that somebody pointed out, like, yeah, you got more guys playing, but who's coaching them? They're like watching YouTube to get better. So the Basketball Africa League, um, groups like Seeds and, and, and Giants of Africa and the NBA's Basketball Academy, like 
they're going to produce some talent. And um, you, you'll probably see them first in American colleges. But soon there's going to be that kid that's going to come straight from the, you know, no the, question. the academy, the NBA academy, or, or from Seeds or from Giants of Africa that, man, is, is going to open a different door, uh, which, will be, which will make people really understand what this <laughs> I mean, league's all about. I mean, <laughs> I think that the MVP of the NBA this year is going to be African. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. There's more coming. And yeah. it's only a matter of time before the African countries get real serious in the Olympics. Nigeria upset the U.S., in uh, an exhibition game last summer yeah, uh, coached by Mike Brown. They got a little sideways. They had some logistical problem getting to Tokyo, which messed them up. But um, I would talk more about it, but uh, we got to go because you got to get up to Sacramento. But um, I appreciate your coverage of it. And I'll just say the people who listen to this podcast, especially who listen this deep into this podcast, because I know other people have turned it off by now, but. If you listen this deep into this podcast, you care about basketball, you care about the NBA. So do yourself a favor, pay attention to African basketball because African basketball is the next frontier for NBA basketball. We are going to see, I believe, in the next couple of decades, a legion of elite African players who are going to be inspired by the Siakams. Like Siakam and Embiid were inspired by guys like Al Farouk Amino who were inspired by guys like Dikembe Mutombo and Akeem Olajuwon. Well, now that the NBA is making this investment over there, I believe, I can't see the future, but I believe it's going to lead to a massive influx of talent. And if you can get more people in this league, like Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, it's better for the game. So that's my little rant. Thank you, Mr. Spears. Thank you to Kendra Andrews, who joined us uh, earlier. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. We will talk to you guys later in the week.